Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Monday, April the fourth may the fourth be with you it is star wars day we'll get into a little of that at the end of the show Uh, but uh, i hope everyone had a happy healthy safe weekend and everyone is doing well and um again just finding a way to get through this as uh you know just um it is crazy to think march 11th was the last time sports were played um, it's just crazy to think about where we're at and how, uh, how long we've been there and how long we will continue to be there. So, um, I hope everyone is staying healthy, staying safe and, uh, and getting through it. Um, all right, this week I want to have some fun. We finished our Mount Rushmore series last week. We'll bring back some Mount Rushmores here and there. I definitely have some other topics I'd like to touch on, but this week I want to get back to talking some Phillies, um, specifically, uh, you know, a kind of a. What's going on with the Phillies? Uh, some stuff we haven't talked about, you know, since we kind of were previewing the season and getting ready. And who knows if and when the season will commence? We'll we'll dive into that too. Um, but uh, get back to talking about some of the current Phillies issues. Maybe some stuff that we talked about earlier in the season, rehashing a little bit. But to get into some of the the questions right now facing this Phillies team, when and if the season does commence. Um, have some fun kind of diving back into some Phillies-centric stuff. But first, um, just a quick check-in on the plans to return, um, as uh, we'll try to do every Monday when we start off the week and obviously adapt and, and roll with things as as they happen. Um, but um, no real new development. Still the most recent plan that we talked about here is the Bob Nightingale proposed plan of Every team playing in their home stadium, yet there being three 10-team regions across the country. The Phillies, of course, are part of the East region, along with the New York Mets, the Yankees, the Pirates, and a number of other teams along the eastern coast of the United States. Um, I express my, um, I guess, belief that that 
plan does not seem super feasible. The idea of teams playing in their own stadiums, I think, is unlikely, certainly, to start the season. And that was acknowledged that the plan could potentially uh, begin with teams in in a certain place, and um, you know whether it's Arizona or Florida, and then going from there. Um, it just seems unlikely that we're going to be able to work it out where, you know, certainly like New York or, or teams in Los Angeles or whatever are going to be able to play in their own stadiums. Um, but we'll see. And, uh, again, you know, that's kind of – we'll see how much uh, – we'll see kind of how it plays out as this, this goes along here. But, again, I find it unlikely, again, that um, – they'll be able to figure out a way to play in their own Sams. I do think that, that was kind of a, a response to the Mike Trouts and Clayton Kershaws of the world who didn't want to leave their families to go quarantine in a bubble, which I think is, look, clearly the, the best idea for returning is the bubble idea, but I understand the you know human issues with that, the idea of leaving your family for so long, all that stuff. I get it. I do think that from a feasibility standpoint, that is the most likely, most well thought out plan um but there was an interesting article on espn this morning from the associated press talking about um one thing that kind of could maybe push another plan forward and maybe it's not um the plan of where teams play in their own teams but about the financial incentive for players to play ball the article uh says mike trout and garrett Cole aren't the only major leaguers with a big financial incentive to get back on the fo- on the field while they had a starry quartet that would take in more than 200000 per game. There are 65 players who would earn at least 100000 each time their team wins or loses if the pandemic-delayed Major League season gets underway, according to the analysis of their contracts by the Associated Press. Most rookies and those making the minimum would get nearly 3500 each. Every game out of the big league schedule earns players about $24 million in the aggregate. The clubs would benefit, too, the article says, with the huge revenue streams flowing from regional sports networks and national broadcast contracts. A contentious negotiation is likely if Major League Baseball asks the Players Association to accept salary cuts to compensate for competing in empty ballparks. The article goes on, I would need to be fully informed about revenue and things like that before I would decide if I think it's fair for us to do that, said Washington first baseman Ryan Zimmerman. I know the owners make a lot of money. We're in such a unique situation. People want to play. People want to get back on the field. If there was ever a time where two sides that have obviously argued in the past could get along and get things done, now would be the time, he added. That being said, I'm not going to sit here and say the players would be willing to do that. I don't even know if I would be willing to do that. Zimmerman has a $2 million salary. We can get $12,346 per game. Uh, Trout, uh, the article says, who has his $36 million salary tied for the Major League High with Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees. It works out to $222,222 for each game of the 162-game season. How unbelievable is that? That is wild. Nolan Arenado makes two hundred sixteen thousand per game. Uh, Justin Verlander makes two hundred three thousand per game. So on and so forth. Down, down the list. Uh, the article goes on to say, lower down the salary scale. Three hundred ninety-two of the approximately nine hundred players on active rosters and injured lists earn less, at least ten thousand a game, including three hundred at twenty thousand or more, two hundred fifty-nine at twenty-five thousand or more, and there's one sixty-one at fifty thousand and. 100 at 75,000. 
Um, so um, just kind of highlighting the, the potential reasons for players to want to get paid, uh, played to pay. Uh, the article goes on, as part of a March deal between MLB and the union, players gained a key objective in bargaining. If no games are played, each player would get the same amount of service time this year as earned in 2019. As part of the deal, teams are advancing $100 million in, $170 million in salary, but players give up claims to any more if the season are scrapped. That leaves um, each player to earn a maximum of 260000 60000 30000 or 16500 depending on their contract, if there is a missed season. Players agreed to prorate their salary based on actual games played. Signing bonuses are guaranteed. So the amount of money a player actually stands to earn is calculated by his 2020 salary divided by 162, the original number of games, and multiplying it over the actual games remaining as of the revised Opening day, union, according to the article, union leaders and some players contend that the agreement covers terms of any reduced season fans or not. And management points to a provision where only games at regular ballpark with fans. The agreement calls for good faith talks over neutral sites and games without fans. Manfred said 40% of the revenue comes from ticket sales and gate concessions. Amongst the Pirates, uh, amongst players, uh, um, there's obviously a mixed kind of feeling here. Um, the article goes on. Um, uh, Ross Stripling, a stockbroker in his time, says it's a, a unique way to bridge a gap. Um, we were happy to do the deal when we did it. We didn't have any idea. Shoot, who did at that point? That was Matt Laird, his agent, um, said. So regardless, it does kind of highlight all the obstacles that are here. There are a lot of issues still to be ironed out um, that ultimately, look, players want to get paid the owners are going to want a season. But at the same time, there's a lot of gray area in between that, right? You know, there's a lot of questions, a lot of um, things we still need to figure out. I mean, ultimately, we don't know how um, how motivated the players are going to be, how motivated the owners are going to be. Ultimately, you would think that for the good of the nation, for the good of the people, and I'm, I really truly mean that, the idea that, that – um, you can kind of put the money squabbles aside to a certain degree. I understand that, you know, look, I get it. It's business. That's, that's the way it works. But at a certain point when, you know, millions and millions and millions and millions of people have lost their jobs in this country and all that, that, you know, owners and players are arguing over millions of dollars to be made and earned is going to um, optically seem like a problem. And um, you would hope that they're out in front of that. And look, we've heard enough from Jeff Pass and the Nightingale. All these people have talked about the potential plans to return, how it could go, and all that. That that I think Major League Baseball understands the optics. They understand that that they can't be squabbling about millions and millions of dollars while people in America are bereft and and lost their jobs and this and that. So I do think that they will figure out the logistical money part of all this. I do. Um, but right now it does seem like that is a bit of a stumbling block. And I, I do think that's why the Nightingale plan was even floated. The idea of playing in their home stadiums and all that. I think that was a response to the players, the Mike Trouts of the world saying, you know, I, I don't want to go quarantine. Um, all right, well, we'll try this. I think was the response, but I just don't see how that's feasible. I don't see how it's possible that, that every team's going to be able to live at home, do their own thing and go play in their stadiums. I mean, 
it just seems unlikely, and and especially with how we know, um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen and how it's going to happen, but it does seem unlikely. So the main takeaway here is that there's still a lot of hurdles to clear, and I do feel optimistic we will have baseball come the beginning of July or so around there, but um, we're still a ways off is the point. There's still a lot of logistical hurdles to clear. And look, um, one kind of sign of, of the, the changing times is that uh, Korean baseball looks like they're going to get back in action. South Korean baseball, the KBO playing all baseball. I am a lot giants guy. I'm in on the lot giants. Thank you. That is my decision. Respect it. I'm rooting for the lot giants. There's a team called the Eagles there too. So I probably should have chosen them. Um, but I follow a guy on Twitter who works for the Lot Giants, and he follows me, so now we are good friends. And thus, I'm all in on the Lot Giants. That's just where it's at. Um, so ultimately, the, the main point of this whole thing is that we still don't know what's going to happen. If I had to bet, I, I don't think that – I think they'll find a way for players to have their families with them, but I don't see teams just playing at their home stadiums. I think that idea is likely. I think it's more possible that Arizona or Florida or Texas or something ends up being the way to go. Um, but – uh it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, there is a Jay Bruce um, also did speak out, bringing it back to the Phillies here, talking about the quote-unquote collateral damage if the 21, 21 season runs into December. Um, the idea of, of pushing the regular season back, uh, playing into December, um, which is unlikely. has not been talked about a lot, but Phillies vet Jay Bruce talked to Greg Murphy of uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia about it and said, my biggest concern is the collateral damage that could be caused for 2021. Uh, I don't think it's realistic to ask guys to play into December or whatever and then be expected to come back for spring training in February. I think we need to tread lightly when it comes to drawing it out for a long time. Now, if you want to add double headers and squeeze in less uh, and squeeze games in with less days off, that's something that can definitely happen. I want to play as many games as possible, but I also understand that people's careers are marathons. You can't necessarily go kamikaze for 75 to 90 games just to salvage what you can. A lot of the, these guys have seven, eight, ten years left. Managing and being smart about the normalcy of seasons moving forward are very, very important for players, the teams, leagues, everyone. Um, interesting point uh, from Bruce. He says, I'm certain that everyone has had those conversations. People that are much, much smarter than I am uh, have the knowledge of what we're capable as players, as teams, and for the league. I, I'm not going to try and figure it all out. I'm just going to take this information. I'm giving trust to people that are giving it to me and be ready when the time comes. Uh, it is an interesting thought. Um, the idea of how you do have to kind of moderate that and worry about, you know, what does and doesn't work and for the long-term viability of the players. I think it's interesting with Jay Bruce on the end of his career, the backside, really just talking. You know, I don't think a younger player says that because that's the person who's more worried about that type of thing. But I do think it was interesting. Uh, all right. Uh, coming up in a few, we'll, we'll do uh, a, a little Star Wars talk for May the 4th. But... Um, as I said, I want to get into some Phillies issues. Tomorrow, we're going to dive into the J.T. Romito extension, the lack thereof, the issues with that. That is a big deal, obviously, as um, as the situation, you know, that they're dealt with. You know, we have a real situation with the J.T. Romito extension. Um, I want to talk about the real Reese Hoskins, wherever they be. We got Girardi talk coming up this week. The staff, the bullpen, the Harper MVP season, a lot of Philly stuff I want to get into. This week, and that will be coming first, um, and and that's kind of a tease for the rest of the week. The one thing I will say, um, just talking about the roster, I'm so excited to see Andrew McCutcheon back. He's been all over Twitter. Larry McCutcheon running with that. I'm excited to see McCutcheon play, and we'll get into all that this week. We'll dive into some of the Phillies issues, you know, kind of 
what there is facing the team, stuff we've talked about before, but maybe haven't dove into as much depth with. Um, but um, today, I just want to have a little fun today. We mentioned kind of what's going on with the um, potential for the returns and all that. And uh, and coming up, we'll talk a little Star Wars. So instead of if diving into an issue with the Phillies, I wanted to just quickly mention um, – ESPN ranked the uh, best and worst World Series of all time. The 115 World Series have been played. And uh, the Phillies wins. I mean, we don't care about the losses, right? The Phillies' two World Series wins um, fell dramatically far apart. And uh, a bit of a bummer for us 2008ers, as it were. But the 2008 World Series comes in 109th out of 115 World Series uh, quote unquote, the best game in the series, game three, started 90 minutes late because of rain and didn't end until almost 2 a.m. The next best game in the series, the clinching game five, was interrupted by rain and then snow and ended up with a two day weather delay in the sixth inning. Other than that, it was played with general haplessness. Stop taking shots of my 2008 squad. Uh, look, I get it. It's not like it was the most compelling series ever. The Phillies won it in five games. I do think it is interesting. I mean, how many World Series have been rained out and brought back days later to suspend a game? None. It's special. That's why. It's a one-time thing. Um, I have recently watched Game 5 of 2008. It's such a great game, um, especially without having to wait two days for it to finish. The Chase Otley play where he throws out Jason Bartlett at the plate is by far the most underrated play in the history of the franchise, one of the more underrated plays in baseball in my lifetime. Like, it's, we always talk about that Jeter play against the A's where, you know, he was in the playoff game where he made that amazing play, was in the right spot and got the guy out at home. Like, the Ellie play was better. We never talk about it like that, but the Ellie play was way smarter. The fake, the first, the throw it at home. Like, it was a, a would have tied the game. Just a massive, massive play. Like, an important, crucial play. And we never talk about it. We don't talk about how amazing Cole Hamill was in that series, but... Um, I get it. I get it. It's not the most compelling series of all time. I would have it higher than 109th, but I'm biased. So um, what can I say? I do think that that Game 5 though, is special. When you rewatch it with all of the uh, – you know, it is a, an intense game. And the idea of it starting in the sixth inning with the, the home team batting first and the Jeff Jenkins double and all that, that stuff was intense. And it and it works immediately. Like, like if the intensity is there, it feels like the sixth inning immediately, which is hard to believe. So um, – I do think it's a little unfair to have it ranked that low, but it is what it is. On the flip side, they have the 1980 World Series at number 16 overall. That's pretty good. It says, this one featured the greatest Game 5 ever. The Phillies came from behind with a two-run rally in the ninth inning started by a Mike Schmidt infield single enabled by George Brett playing in on the grass, anticipating that 48-homer Schmidt might try to bunt for a hit and finish by a Manny Trio single off Dan Quisenberry's glove. The Royals then loaded the bases on three Tug McGraw walks in the bottom of the ninth before McGraw escaped and tilted the series in the Phillies' flavor, favor by average leverage index. This is the closest nine-inning game in World Series in history. That's pretty neat. I mean, that's a pretty neat factor, and I would not have known that that was the closest World Series game in World Series history by that index. That's that's. Very cool. So, shout out to the 1980 Phillies. Obviously, a soft spot for the 08 Phillies. And I think the series is a lot more fun than ESPN does. But that is what it is. Um, all right, like I said, coming up this week, we're going to dive into some of the real questions about this Phillies team right now. Obviously, tomorrow, the JT Romito extension will be a big part of our conversation because 
It's a massive question. Why didn't they sign him? Why hasn't he been signed? Why is he still not signed? What's going to happen? Is he going to be a free agent? Is this just a disaster? They trade Sixto Sanchez for nothing, essentially, for two years of a guy. I mean, what's, what's the deal? We'll dive into that and how it affects the team. Who is the real Reese Hoskins? Will we see Reese Hoskins again? Should we worry that we've seen the best of Reese Hoskins? That they'll never be the same? That's an interesting question I want to talk about. I want to talk about the bullpen. Can Hector Neris and pretty much nobody else, sorry, Adam Morgan, sorry, Jose Alvarez, can all those guys figure it out again? Can they have a bullpen that is able to get by on guts and guile? I want to talk about the starting rotation. Can they get by with Zach Eflin, Jake Arietta, and then a still undecided fifth starter? Is it Nick Pavetta? Is it Vince Velasquez? Is it Ranger Suarez? Is it you or me? It could be any of them. It's fair. It could be any of them. Um, Andrew McCutcheon, how big a difference will it make having him back to start the season, getting that extra time for him to heal? Gene Segura. Who's the real Gene Segura? Have we even seen the real Gene Segura in Philly? There's a lot of fun topics I want to dive into with the Phillies this week. So this week we're really going to dive back into some Philly-centric type of topics and really um, dive in on, on some of these questions that we want answered. So that'll be fun. Um, but as it is, it is May the 4th. It is Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. So I'm going to give you my definitive. Just for, Look, if you don't like Star Wars, then tune out now. I apologize. Can't be for everybody, but I've got a couple minutes left. I'm going to take the day and shout out to Star Wars. There's not a lot of... Philly stuff to talk about anyway right now, right? Um, uh, Star Wars. May the fourth be with you. My definitive ranking of the nine Star Wars movie. I'm not including Rogue One and, and Solo, though I will say that I think Rogue One may be as good as any of them. Rogue One, if I were doing the list with the Rogue One and Solo on it, Rogue One would be fighting for the first spot. Maybe the second spot right there. Like, it's right there with Empire for me. Like, it's below that. Don't get me wrong. There's a uh, romanticism to the original movies that, that just can't be beat for me. But Rogue One's right there. Like, I think Rogue One is a brilliant, outstanding movie. So I just want to give that a shout-out. But here we go. This is the definitive, final, never-to-be-questioned, only-accepted ranking of the nine main Star Wars movies. Number one, Empire Strikes Back. It's just the best one. I think we all know that. We've talked about it before. I mean, come on. Empire Strikes Back, an amazing movie. Love it with all my heart. Number two, A New Hope. Also, just a great movie. And those two are just unimpeachable as far as it goes with the the classic nine-part Star Wars saga, the, the true saga that we talk about. And obviously, Rogue One's related to it. Toll's related to it. Five, four is how it goes. Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, unassailable. Here's where I get a little uh, interesting, because normally you'd say Return of the Jedi next, and I was very close to putting it next, but I really like The Last Jedi, number eight. I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant movie. I, I really enjoyed it. Ryan Johnson did an amazing job making that movie. I know a lot of people hate it. I don't. I love it. I'm going Last Jedi. That's my hot take here every day. After that, Return of the Jedi, so five, four, eight, six. Then The Force Awakens, seven. I thought it was a really nice job of bringing the franchise back of, uh, you know, kind of basically the same movie as New Hope for all intents and purposes, just with different characters and some of the same characters, but the same idea, uh, A New Hope. Um, then for me, there's a drop-off there. Revenge of the Sith is next, which is still a solid movie, and I know a lot of people really like that one. 
there's a huge drop-off. These last three are just not even in the same league as the others. Next, number one, Phantom Menace, which, upon rewatching recently, I rewatched all the uh, Star Wars movies within the last year with my wife because the new one was coming out, and we're like, ah, oh, let's watch all of them, why not? Um, it's not as bad as I remembered. Jar Jar Binks is bad, don't get me wrong. He's horrible, a horrible character on so many levels. Um, but the movie itself is okay. It's somewhat entertaining. It's not as bad as I remembered it. What is as bad as I remembered it was the Attack of the Clones, which is why I actually have it last behind the Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker is atrocious as well. An abominable ending to the franchise. Um, just a horrible, horrible movie. Um, so Rise of Skywalker is second to last. Attack of the Clones is last for me, though. I literally had to hold my eyes open to keep myself awake during Attack of the Clones. It's a bad movie. It's boring. It's uninteresting. Hayden Christensen's terrible. It's a horrendous movie. Um, those last two are far and away the worst. Attack of the Clones and Rise of Skywalker. Just bad movies. Rise of Skywalker is pure fan service. Um, basically tried to act like Last Jedi didn't even happen, which was a mistake because I like Last Jedi. So uh, There it is. For the official record, the definitive ranking of the Star Wars main nine movies is as follows. Number five, Empire Strikes Back. Number four, A New Hope. Number eight, Last Jedi. Number six, Return of the Jedi. Number seven, The Force Awakens. Number three, Revenge of the Sith. Number one, Phantom Menace. Number nine, Rise of Skywalker. Number two, Attack of the Clones. Those last two are very close in their awfulness. All right. Tomorrow, we'll dive into some real Philly stuff. We'll talk about this team, where they're at, some of the real issues facing them. Like we said, the JT extension, that is a big part of what we'll talk about tomorrow and a whole lot more. So until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.